For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Built for Paymakers podcast. I'm your host, Kelvin Hunt, editor of ChopChat.com. Hope you guys are doing well. Episode 46. Man, these episodes are starting to pile up. Not as quick as I would like, but we're here back in the lab, baby. It's August. Football season, man. Games in a, in a, in a couple of weeks. So really excited. And life is, is well. And, um, you know, Got a lot going on work-wise. Our fall classes are beginning uh, August 15th. So, of course, trying to help all of the students here coming in at the last minute, uh, as usual. Um, my oldest daughter um, begins high school in a couple of weeks. She uh, just found out she made the JV cheerleading team. So she's really excited about that. We're excited for her and been running all around to practice. And she started working a couple of weeks, actually, at Chick-fil-A. And... Um, at 14 and uh, man she's already making some cash so shout out to her trying to you know teach him some responsibilities as far as money management and all of that good stuff but i'm uh, going to be talking about a variety of things tonight from uh, fall camp to recruiting to slash whatever else comes to mind um but before we do that, we want to shout out our sponsor, BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to wager all of your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live, in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. And I'll say, man, I mentioned it before, so if, if this is your first time listening, I used to cover MMA, mixed martial arts, and so, um, you know, became pretty good at predicting fights and all that good stuff sometimes you know mma judging sucks and they would rob you of a fight that you know you clearly should have won but uh, going on to you know talk about wagering i have a cousin in california he calls me again and so there was a ufc fight this past weekend he was like cuz he was like man who do you, you know, who do you think is going to win the fight and i was like bro I, I don't even know who's fighting really so he sends me the card and i look at it and i'm like bro i'm like there's like two fights on here that I that I even know who it is, and so you know, did a little research, and um, I normally would not do a parlay, but um, he he prefers those, and so I, I picked two fights, and he wound up winning eleven hundred bucks. Uh, we bet on we bet on um, uh, Pena to lose to Amanda Nunes. I, I figured that um, you know she wasn't going to lose to her twice, and then we took the co-main event. We took Moreno to win. Um, I think it was a flyweight belt, I think it was. So, yeah, so, um, you know, if you're uh, into wagering, MMA, NBA, NFL, uh, choose BetOnline.ag. 
fall camp fall camp is on the way man um halfway done almost first scrimmage on saturday night 7 30. Uh, mike novell you know talked about that uh, after friday's practice which was pretty much just helmets and you know laid back day and you know he talked about having a mindset of you know keeping that intensity even though they knew you know it was going to be a a light day so to speak and uh, which is typical to kind of you know, relax a little bit before the the big scrimmage where everybody will be hyped up. I got to say, man, you know, other than a, a couple of lulls here and there, he has been, and he's usually really candid. You know, he was, he's been pretty, you know, pretty upbeat, pretty happy, pretty positive about everything through camp. The, the only negative thing he's pointed out was one day um, special teams was awful as far as punting, snapping, and um, field goals. But other than that, Everything, everything seems like you know it's going along. Uh, they're installing a lot of stuff. Players are performing. Uh, he, he's, he, they've, they've been hyping up the uh, the quarterbacks here over the last few practices. All three of them: Jordan Travis, Tate Rodemaker, AJ Duffy. You know, he's mentioned that Duffy is farther along than any freshman quarterback he's ever had. You know, I don't know if some of that is just trying to build confidence. Probably a little bit of both of trying to build confidence, and he's probably showing some progress. I mean, he should. Um, Rotomaker, you know, Rotomaker had a good spring apparently, but I still, I still got to see it in a real game before I kind of buy into that. And then, of course, uh, Jordan Travis seems to be making some progress as far as just confidence, leadership, um, checking into the right plays, which is the protections, which is really big. You know, if you can if you can make good decisions before you snap the ball, to put you in the you know the optimal position to make a play after the snap, then you know that's big time. But want to talk about a little bit about QB recruiting. So of course, Brock Glenn committed to Ohio State since the last time I spoke with you guys, and and shout out to uh, Steve Wiltfong. He kind of took a little the sting out of that uh, early. Early a few days before Glenn committed, because had had he not put in a crystal ball, and you know it wasn't really obvious that Glenn was going to choose Ohio State. Man, I mean it was bad already when people kind of expected him to choose Ohio State, but man, it would have been a bloodbath online. So seeing that Glenn committed to Ohio State, you know you look at it. And, you know, they kind of probably had an idea that that was going to happen. So they had two guys on campus, um, Kaysen Wiseman and um, Ryan Brown. And, you know, we saw some footage of those guys on social media throwing at camp and all that good stuff. And I would actually did a question and answer with Ryan Brown um, earlier this week on Chop Chat. Um, if you look on the site, it's uh, titled like Q&A with uh, FSU um, potential QB target Ryan Brown, good kid, man. Um, really good interview. Um, he didn't leave with an offer. You know, he said that he had good conversations with the staff. Uh, neither did Wiseman. It looks like Wiseman. He, I think, he posted on Twitter yesterday that you know he knows where he's going to commit to, and he has He, to my knowledge, does not have an FSU offer. So I would assume it's going to be elsewhere. Uh, between those two guys, I pre- I would prefer Brown by by far. Really, um, he's six five, two fifteen. Uh, played in Florida last year, won a state championship, eight A player of the year. 
Um, 62% of his passes complete, 31 touchdowns, seven interceptions, ran for another 500 and scored eight rushing touchdowns. And I'm just, and I asked them in the, in, in the interview, I was like, you know, why do you only have like four offers? And they're like from Holy Cross and Toledo and some teams up north. And, you know, he just said that, you know, it, he just feel like he kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit. And um, but he's been to several different places um, to throw Ohio State, Clemson, Florida State, um, you name it. He's been there, and he still he still doesn't have you know any any big time offers, and I cannot figure out why. So uh, I mean, he's got a, a really strong arm, big body frame. There's a there's a clip of him running on Twitter. I posted it in that Q and A, uh, and I mean. My guy, my guy's got wheels. I mean, to be six five, he was rolling. Uh, he, he's running a forty, and I don't know. I mean, I didn't clock it or whatever, but I mean, he he's not slow. He's not slow slow at all. And so, uh, I'm looking at it. and I'm like, man, you know, there there can't be that big of a gap between him and Parson and and Glenn. Uh, you know, I just I don't know why. I don't know why he doesn't have more offers. Um, so. Uh, I guess we'll just see kind of how that works out. So one one take on that is FSU was not knowing they probably were not going to get Glenn, and they brought those two guys in, and they were not in a rush. They did not offer either of them, so they were not in a rush to to offer those guys. So to me, that kind of tells me that, A, they're not panicking, you know, they don't feel the need to rush and, and just – you know, try to grab a body for 2023. Of course, you know, you, they always have the portal kind of in their back pocket, so to speak. You know, they've, they've done really well in a portal. Not so much a quarterback. I mean, they've got Milton out of that, but, you know, that is what it is. Uh, the other part of that is, you know, I think I think they must feel really confident with Rotomaker and A.J. Duffy. Uh next year if Jordan Travis decides to leave and so what I mean by that is you know they're saying well if Rotomaker behind a quote-unquote better offensive line may be serviceable enough him along with A.J. Duffy to you know make the offense more what Mike Norvell wants it to be um, as far as you know not having to depend on a scrambling quarterback so much and I was thinking about it, and I was like, well, man, you know, they, they, would, they would have Rotomaker, they would have Duffy, you know, you know, they could get a kid, you know, they could offer probably Brown or uh, Wiseman later down the road, and even if they did commit, commit elsewhere, you know, they probably could still get those guys. So that's probably why they're not, a, they're not in a rush. So if they brought in one of those guys, or maybe if they pursued the, the guy from Miami, Emory uh, Williams, I think is his name, who was out at the Elite 11. So if you look at those three guys as potential targets maybe, and then you look at the um, the transfer portal, then, you know, you, you know they, you can make it work. Because like I said, I don't I didn't expect Parson or Glenn to come in and do anything year one. You know, so whether, whether you sign either of those guys or not, I mean, you know, from the optics standpoint, it's not a good look because you missed on both guys. Uh, I mean, but granted, if they wanted to keep Parson, you know, they could have just said, well, you know, we're not going to pursue anybody, and they probably would have been fine, and Parson would have stayed committed. But, you know, they, they they felt like they needed to do something else. 
and um, you know here we are but I feel like they knew like there was a possibility to to miss on both of those especially with Ohio State in the mix and so you know it seemed like Mike Novell usually has a plan for plan for plan so I'm not too and we'll talk about that in a second about a couple of other takes regarding um, uh, commits but that's why I'm, I'm not too worried about quarterback recruiting right now. Um, I think, you know, they have a general idea of what they have at quarterback with uh, Rotomaker and Duffy. Now, again, I got to see it. I got to see it from Rotomaker in a game before I believe it. But they see these guys every day. And, um, you know, they can see that progression. Um, so, of course, they they have more insight than than we do as fans. But, um. But yeah, just wanted to put that out there as far as you know, kind of maybe what's what they're thinking as far as quarterback goes. Um, the they got a commit from Jabril Ross, a three-star defensive back um, who camped uh, at FSU over the past weekend, and a lot of people were kind of hating on the take or disappointed in the take, and um, you know, and really, it really probably. It just comes down to the ranking. I mean, I think people look at guys and just say, "Oh, we got to commit." Okay, wh- how many stars did he have? Oh, he's only got three. He he's ranked, you know, nine hundred ninety eighth in the nation. Now, automatically, just assume the kid's a bum, can't play. And look, I'm not saying the kid is a five star or the kid is going to be a, a surefire starter or anything. But this is kind of this is kind of my take on the whole. Jabril Ross. I want. I keep wanting to say Jabril Peppers from Michigan for some reason. <laughs> but Ross, and then of course um, Kenton uh, Kirkland, who is a composite three-star uh, safety prospect from um, Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, Two four seven has him rated as a as a four-star, but he's a composite three-star. So both guys composite three-stars. And so, you know, FSU was in a good spot for Kirkland here. Um, again, like I said, he visited uh, during uh, the the camp last week. But here over the last few days, we've seen kind of some momentum swings in favor of Kentucky. Does that sound familiar? Um, you know, we kind of talked about uh, Kentucky and FSU battling for Avery Stewart um, probably about a month or so ago. And one thing, one thing you heard me talk about was resources. And look, I'm not blaming everything on NIL. Um, I don't. I don't believe every, you know, every kid is asking for a, a huge amount of money or anything like that. Um, but I think I think this this right here has something to do with that situation. So you got to look at it like this: Jabril Rawls has been to FSU like I don't know how many times this year. Matter of fact, I'm gonna look it up real quick. Hold on, just a second. I'll tell you. He came in he came to FSU in January, I think it was. Let's see. I'm looking it up right now. Rawls came. Yeah, he came in January. He attended junior day, March 19th. He got an offer from FSU on March 28th. And then he came and and worked out last weekend july 30th okay so he's been to fsu one two three times this fall and fsu has seen him in person a couple times working out i think it is and then you look at kenton kirkland and 
I think he has been, I'm not sure how many times he's been. But, you know, it could it could come down to as simple as this, guys. Both guys are, I'm almost identical as far as size. Both guys are about 6'1", 185 pounds. And again, you know, Kirkland is ranked about 500 spots higher overall than Rawls. Right? But when you're looking at it and you say, okay, well, what is, how big of a difference is there between those two guys? I mean, yeah, there's 500 spots ranking-wise, you know, and rankings are very fluid. I mean, they can, there's a lot of factors that affect rankings that have nothing to do whether the guys can play or not. Let me, let me just say that. And um, so when you look at it and you say, well, man, how, how much of a difference is there between those two players? And so if you listen to, I'll shout out um, on the bench, um, dude, uh, Roland, I, th- I can't think of his first name, Roland interviewed um, Derek Ray from uh, FSU's uh, recruiting staff, support staff, and he talked about what goes into how they evaluate players, how they, you know, um, send out their offers and all that good stuff. And so, and there's a, there's a ton of, a ton of information that goes into, you know, who they offer, who they accept commit from and things like that. And it could be as simple as, you know, Kirkland came, Kirkland did not work out this past weekend to my knowledge. Rawls did work out, you know? And so if you look at it and you say, look, man, Rawls, has been here several times. He's worked out. He's working out today. Kirkland's not working out. Who really wants that? Who really wants that offer? Who really wants to commit? And then you you look at that. How many times the kid's been there? He's willing to work out. He's put in the work. He's earned the offer. Then you look at the the, the data from uh, the system, the catapult system that they use to measure how fast they run and how much effort they're putting out when they're working out and all that good stuff. You look at them in person, you know, you see that he's long, he's 6'1", he's got long arms, he's fast, uh, probably runs uh, 4, 4, 5, 40, something like that. You can see the film, he's got, he's, you know, he's a, little, he's a little tight in his hips, but, you know, he can probably play safety, which is the same position that Kirkland plays. Right. And so, I mean, it could be as simple as like, man, look, you got two guys that are very similar. They, One guy's been here several times. One guy's willing to work out. You know, the rankings say one guy's 500 spots higher than the other one. But when we look at our data and we look at our evaluations and our measurements, we don't see much difference at all. Who really wants to be here? They, you know, there you go. Could could Kentucky say, hey, you know, we're going to give you X amount of dollars, right? And Kirkland could come to FSU and say, well, you know, this is what Kentucky's, you know, saying they're going to do. FSU could look at that and say, and I'm just speaking hypothetically here. FSU could look at it and say, well, shoot, Rawls is pretty much the same player. We may might, we may like him better. You know, Rawls says he wants to commit, then we'll take Rawls. And so, you know, that may be why you see Kirkland going towards Kentucky. Or he may have, you know, he may have been going there 
beforehand. Like I said, you know, Kentucky may have said, hey, because he visited Kentucky the week before he came to FSU's camp this past week. So, um, you know, it could be a sense of, you know, he, he was like, we know, hey, Kentucky's, you know, looking looking this way. And so FSU, well, we'll just take Rawls and, you you know, you do what you got to do. Um, so, again, you know, again, stars do matter. They do, absolutely do. You know, but at the same time, you got to look at it and say, look, FSU is really concentrating on the trenches. You know, they are putting those resources to the trenches. That's why you have um, Lucas. That's why you have Simmons. You know, that's why you have Sampson. Um, you know, they've, they already have some really good guys on the offensive line, on the defensive line, uh, defensive end, and um, – and they, you know, and they just got two top 100 defensive backs last recruiting cycle, and they already have some top uh, defensive backs committed for 2024. And you're probably going to need some resources for those guys. So it's a matter of, hey, let's let's kind of, you know, let's kind of see, you know, how much return on an investment can we get right now? We want to we want to push push those resources to positions that are difference makers. Right, because we just got two difference makers in 2022 with McCall and uh, Azariah Thomas. We have some potential difference makers in 2024. We need to win and hang on to them. So how important is, you know, getting – we're not really in the mix for any big-time, you know, blue-chip guys anyway. So let's trust our valuations, you know, get what we can get in 2020, 2023, and then, um, you know, we've, we've addressed – the trenches in this cycle next year maybe we'll kind of spread those resources towards the secondary again and see if we can get some elite guys especially if we win eight games or so uh, on the field in 2022 um so that's kind of my take on it i could be way off i don't i don't think i am though um that's that's kind of a common sense approach you know and you know me i'm i i, I try to think things through and don't just throw stuff at the wall and hope it sticks um, that's kind of, that's kind of my thinking how I would see it. Um, as far as three stars and four stars and five stars, one thing, one thing the staff, you know, they're recruiting better. I think they're recruiting better than some people thought they would, but at the same time, they're not recruiting at a level that they need to, to be elite quickly. You know, it's a, it is a long rebuild. And so, it's one of those deals where you kind of have to get some difference makers, but you also have to be really good at player development. And the latter is something they've proven that they can do. Um, and when you look at it, I mean, look at it. Akeem Dent was, man, man, we were thinking he was, you know, he was done. And you know, here he is now, you know, last year, towards the end of the year, and now he, he, look, he man, SEC teams were wanting him in the offseason. Right, Amarion Cooper missed all of fall. I mean, he was a blue chip, but he wasn't like a top 100 player. And you know, he starts, you know, the Miami game and the last few games of the year. He's a bona fide starter this year. DJ Lundy. A lot of people give crap to DJ Lundy last year. I mean, look, he, you know, he was a freshman running around at 250 pounds. Look, you're not going to be able to cover in space like that at that size. 
but he still was productive. He he was third on the team. He was tied with Kalen DeLoach with 69 tackles last year. I mean, that's a pretty strong effort for for a freshman, man. And you look at him now, he's lost 20 pounds. He's cut up. He's rocked up. And probably, you know, I mean, you got Tatum Bethune, but Lundy's going to be a serviceable guy out there. You know, he's not going to be uh, quite the liability that he was last year. So he's been developed. Jordan Travis has been developed. I mean, if you look at the Notre Dame, last, Notre Dame game last year, there was a pass to the flats, uh, to the running back in the flats, and Jordan Travis could not make that throw last year. I mean, he threw the ball into the stands over the guy's head, and he was wide open. And he threw it like eight feet over his head. Jordan Travis, can he can pass better now than he did uh, last year and definitely two years ago. Dylan Gibbons came to Notre Dame, came to FSU from Notre Dame as a backup, and now he's the best you know, player on the offensive line for FSU. Now, granted, the O-line was terrible, but you know, he made all ACC, I think it was at least honorable mention last year. But he was a backup elsewhere. You know, Jared Jackson, Malcolm Ray, these guys are now solid contributors when they were afterthoughts. A lot of people thought Jared Jackson won't even want to do anything when he transferred from Louisville. And now he's going to be a solid contributor as far as a depth piece. And next year is going to be a really important a really important player whenever um, Robert Cooper and Fabian Lovett leave. So this team, this, this, this staff can develop players. And one reason that that's happening is the practice, the practice, the way Norville has practice set up, you know, is real similar from what I've heard to how Jimbo Fisher um, used to run practice back in the day. Unlike the previous staff where, there was a bunch of standing around, wasted time. Um, you know, Novell has these periods, and now that they have ample depth, you have guys getting tons and tons and tons of reps. And so I think that's why you're seeing the rapid development of guys from the spring, like even these new guys, um, Rodney Hill, Brian Courtney, uh, Deuce Ban. You know, now – I want to pull the rings back. I want to pull the rings back on Deuce Bain a little bit. I know, I know the coaching staffs hyping them a little bit. I know, you know, practice reports are hyping them up a little bit. But, and look, I, I hope to God I'm wrong. I hope to God I'm wrong. But it kind of feels like you know. You used to hear when Jimbo was here, you would hear guys, "Oh man, he's killing in camp. He's killing in camp." And then the season came about, and it was like, "Bro, where what happened?" Dude disappeared. He never even did anything. And I almost want to say that's going to be the case with Deuce Bain. Um, But at the same time, the guy is crazy talented. And I feel like if they just used him and, you know, just play to his strengths, you know, hey, look, you can run these four routes exceptionally well. When we put you in the game, you're going to stick to these four routes. Beat your man. You know, the offense is built for playmakers, Right. Beat your man, and we're gonna get you the ball. And um, and that's and that's how I would use Span, you know, you, and give him more time to kind of develop and whatnot. But you know, he could be a he could be a, 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 a definitely a piece to the offense. You know, they need somebody to take the top off and go vertical. 
um, to give that threat to open things up, un uh, you know, underneath and stop stack stacking the box against the run and things like that. Um, but I, st I still think, you know, I'm not at practice. You know, I kind of just have to go and feel and what I hear and, and listening to Norvell. Um, I could be wrong. You know, I hope I'm wrong, like I said. But, uh, you know, if we got – Man, if we got 15 receptions for Deuce Band, I would I would be ecstatic. If we got if you got 15 catches this year, I would be hell. If you got 10, I would be that would be more than I thought he would ever have this uh, this season. Whenever he joined the team in the in the spring, you know. Uh, and then going back to um, you know Brian Courtney, you know he's getting some run because Cameron McDonald has been out. Uh, I, you know, and and Norvell said this, so um, I think it's a lower lower body injury. Um, I think people said that Cam's been walking around campus with a boot on. Um, but a lot of people gave um, a lot of crap on the Brian Courtney take. You know, Brian Courtney had five offers. I think it was. Now, one thing I do kind of agree with they they offered Courtney without ever seeing him in person. This is during COVID. You know, you still couldn't meet players in person at the time um, or evaluate them in person at the time. So they looked at his tape. But they also looked at they looked at the data. And when I saw when I saw the numbers on Brian Courtney, you know, I was like, man, the guy's 6'4", 225, and he runs a laser time 4'5". And you can put him at tight end. The guy plays running back. You know, he plays uh, linebacker or defensive end for his high school team. So the guy's an athlete. And that's what you, you know, that's what you're trying to, that's what you're, you're trying, you're trying to get elite athletes and then develop them into, you know, whatever role you need them for. And, and I kind of think that's what's, that's what they're going to do with uh, Jabril Rawls. You know, he's, you know, he, they're looking at the data on him. They're looking at his speed, looking at his length and they're, and they're kind of betting on it. Okay. Well, we have Sam McCall. We have Cooper for another year after this, you know, we have, um, Renato Green for another year after this, um, you know, so we can take a guy like Rawls. He doesn't have to be a starter day one. We can develop. He has tools. You know, we can take a year or two and develop him, and then by the time he's a junior, he can be a bona fide starter for you and perform at a high level. So that's kind of how you have to look at these things. You know, everybody's not going to be, you know, uh, you know, an elite player, they're not in a position to get a ton of elite guys. They got to win games first, and so right now, you know, they're kind of, you know, trying to obtain those guys at positions of, of you know, that that impact the game the most, defensive end, trenches, and then, like I said, uh, then kind of looking at almost like the almost like the best player available, so to speak, you know. Um, and so I think that's kind of what they did with Rawls. You know, he's 6'1", 185, 190 pounds, fast, long. And they're looking at him like, look, we can – we can. by the time he needs to contribute, he can be a contributor. You know, so. Um, but saw that um, FSU got some crystal ball predictions for uh, Tavian Gadsden, the defensive tackle from Savannah. Um, he officially visited at the end of June. Matter of fact, he visited the same time that um, Lucas Simmons and all those guys were on campus, uh, the big recruiting event. And um, then we also got like six 
crystal ball predictions for Blake Nicholson, the linebacker from Manteca, California. Uh, look, those will be two quality players. Um, you know, FSU is ranked 40th overall right now. Um, they still – the composite still does not have a ranking for uh, the JUCO defensive end, Jaden Jones, who would be a three-star at the minimum. It's irking me that they're not putting him in there. Uh, but even without him in the rankings, um, if you add Nicholson and Gatson, uh, FSU runs up to, like, number 26. And then you have, you know – a couple of other targets, Hakeem Williams out there, who's like top 20 um, nationally. Um, Jordan Hall, who who some people think he's trending toward Georgia, which which makes sense. That's probably why Gadsden is being crystal ball to FSU. Uh, Georgia already has two def- defensive tackles um, committed that are ranked higher than Gadsden. And then if you add Jordan Hall to Georgia, that will be three. And uh, that's probably more more than enough for them. Um, but Gatson's a, a solid player. And um, FSU did really well at defensive tackle. Um, last recruiting cycle with Bishop Thomas, Daniel Lyons. You brought in Tafasi, who's going to redshirt this year. So it's almost like Tafasi is a part of this 2023 class because he's going to sit out this year and then play next year. So they've done a, a solid job at uh, defensive tackle there. And then, I mean, if they, if they got Nicholson, uh, you you would have to give a lot of credit to uh, Derek Ray, but um, that would be the first blue-chip linebacker they've signed since um, either Stephen Dix or Kalen DeLoach, and that was like 2019, I think it was, 2020, somewhere in there. So they're, they're in a good spot for some players. And um, I want to give a shout-out to my guy, uh, Dibby, on Twitter. Um, he tweeted this the other day, and I, I agree whole, wholeheartedly. And I, I think this is the approach because there's not there's not that many um, quality players left out there unless they just perform really well and during the season and get the attention of some players early. You know, if they start out like, you know, 5-0 and or 4-1, and that's going to get some attention of some guys. And so it may be possible to kind of flip a guy or two from elsewhere. But other than that, there's not a lot of quality targets left out there. So I can see them taking like like maybe like 18 high schoolers and then then going back to the transfer portal and, um, and you know, and seeing what they can get. Now, that is a gamble. That is a gamble because you, you, you well – Technically, you don't know who's going to enter the portal. Now, there, there's a lot of back-channel things that happen a lot of times, and so you kind of get a heads-up of who may enter the portal and whatnot, so you can kind of do your do your thing that way. Um, but, you know, FSU, if, if it had not been for the portal, FSU wouldn't be anywhere close to where they are right now. If they had to depend solely on high school players, oh, my gosh, it would be so ugly. It would be like Bubba Sparks ugly. If they had to depend on, because they they're not recruiting at a high enough level in the high schools to get difference makers to make a difference, right? And so they've gone to the portal to get guys that are physically ready to compete on the field, and they don't need as much development as a high school player, especially in the trenches. So, um, you know, if they win eight games, they can they can take another year, and um, not not only would they be able to um, recruit at a higher level next year out of the high schools, but they would also probably get a higher quality of player from the transfer portal um, if they won eight, eight games also. So um, that would help in getting a transfer quarterback uh, potentially.
Now, a lot of people just kind of say, hey, they can just get a transfer uh, quarterback. This is one thing you got to think about, too, though. So if Jordan Travis leaves, you got Rotomaker and Duffy, right? If you bring in a transfer quarterback, more than likely they're not coming in to sit. So then you also have to think about if you bring in a transfer quarterback, how will Rotomaker and Duffy react to that? You know, is Rotomaker going to leave? Is he going to compete? What does Duffy think about that? So, it, and it just depends on who the, the transfer quarterback is also. So you can't just go out there and say, oh, we could just get a transfer quarterback. It's not that simple because who you bring in could affect who you have on the roster now. So saying all that to say this, FSU is – in a position to do well this year on the field. I, I believe it wholeheartedly. They can win eight games there. And I've, I've talked about it last podcast. You know, I feel like a lot of the teams on the schedule are not as good as some people are making them out to be. Now it's, the, it's a tough schedule. It's a tough schedule, but if FSU, if FSU went out there and they beat LSU and they, be, and they beat Louisville. Oh, confidence wise, they, you know, they would be through the roof. They would have the expectations to go out there and beat a lot of the other guys on their schedule, and um, you know they could they could they could win eight games like for real for real. They have they have better they'll have better quarterback play, they'll have better offensive line. Running backs will be fine. They'll be better at wide receiver. I don't know I don't know why people are just you know almost talking like the wide receiver group is is just like they're garbage or something, but. I mean, the guy. There's way more talent there this year than there has been in a long time, and um, yes, you know, you have to perform well at practice and all that good stuff. But you know, even if they only got, if even if they got Pittman and Johnny Wilson to come out there, and and if you got, if you got, say, Pittman gave you 40 receptions, and you know, Johnny Wilson gave you 25 to 30 receptions, that's a win. That's a win because that that would be more than what you ha- would have gotten from Devon Mortimer or Kevin Coleman. You know, then if Winston Wright comes out there and he gets healthy and towards a you know whatever whenever he gets out there, hopefully he gets out there sooner than later. Although I just I don't know, it seems like it's going to be a little bit before he's able to. But you know, if he gets out there in the later part of the year, and you got three bona fide options out there. Jakai Douglas is out there, Malik McLean's out there. I mean, bro, that's – McLean was a blue chip. Pittman was a top 100 player. Johnny Wilson was a top 115 player. Ja'Kai Douglas was a blue chip. I mean, there's talent out there, guys. If the offensive line gives the quarterback some time, quarterback improves their play, there's no reason why the passing offense shouldn't be better. Point blank period. And defense is going to be – defense is going to be legit. I'm thinking top 30 – top 30 at worst, that's going to give you an opportunity to win some games. When you think about it last year, in the first four games, in the first four games or five games, FSU had 11 turnovers. 11 turnovers. Clean that up, who knows what happened. Um, but not having difference makers, uh, you know, elite talent across the board, kind of you, you, you hear me talk about this in baseball, it gives you a smaller margin for error, meaning you can't make you know two or three turnovers in a game and overcome them. 
right? So that's kind of what you're looking at. But the team overall is better than it was last year um, by a good bit, I believe, uh, and definitely much better than it was in 2020. Um, they just got to go out there and win games. It uh, seems like they're moving in the right direction. Mike Novell seems pleased. Go out there against Duquesne, uh, knock the rust off, and then get ready to surprise a lot of people against LSU. So, um, But that's all I got, guys. Uh, make sure you um, check out betonline.ag. Um, I'll probably be back pretty quickly, hopefully um, sometime next week, um, whenever we, we hear kind of what happens at the scrimmage on Saturday night. And um, I appreciate you guys rocking with me. Um, would love some more um, reviews on whatever platform you um, you use. Um, to you guys that shared the um, post last podcast on Twitter and social media, really appreciate you. Um, would appreciate it if you could do that again, help us spread the word to reach more people. And um, until then, go no. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.